This is the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your host as always, Dr. Andy Johnson. And the topic of today's podcast is education as self-actualization. What is the purpose of our schools? Is it to create worker bees for the great economic beehive? I think not. It's been my experience that education is most effective when the prime directive is to do what Maria Montessori proposed in 1946, and that's to help each child discover and then realize his or her full potential. In this sense, our schools should be vehicles for self-actualization. Self-actualization is that state where you're able to accept and express your inner core or self and begin to actualize those capacities and potentialities found there. There are four tasks specifically related to self-actualization. First, discover and understand yourself. This occurs through writing and other self-reflective experiences. Understanding and accepting yourself makes it more likely that these qualities will be applied to others. Also, understanding yourself makes it less likely that the conscious will be ruled by unconscious forces. Part of self-actualizing, then, involves integrating the conscious and unconscious parts of your personality. It's only by bringing unconscious images, wants, and feelings to consciousness that you're free to act upon them. The second task is to express your inner core. Once you've discovered important images and ideas from the inner, the next step is to express them. This allows these images and ideas to interact with other human beings and in so doing creates a more dynamic, more richly defined interaction between the ego and the self. Now, this can be done through poetry and writing, music, dance, the visual arts and drama, and also in small group discussions where you or where students are engaged in honest dialogue. The third task is to find your passion and act on it. This is a matter of discovering what you're interested in and indulging in it. This is what adults do. Why don't we allow students to do it? For example, I get to write and study only about those things that I'm interested in. If we respect children, we should afford them the same opportunity. For example, a student might find a passion for science or mathematics or religion or marketing or writing or some other topic that student should then be allowed to pursue that passion. This is what mythologist Joseph Campbell calls finding your bliss. So part of a teacher's role here is to expose students to a wide variety of topics and activities and create the structure where they can indulge their passions. The fourth task is to discover your strengths or particular talents and learn how to use them. 
Robert Sternberg describes in his book, Successful Intelligence, highly successful people are not necessarily those who have a great many strengths and no weaknesses. Instead, successful people are those who learn how to use their strengths and compensate for the weaknesses in order to solve problems or create products. And as Howard Gardner and others have illustrated, intelligence is not a specific entity or a clearly defined way of thinking. Instead, it's the ability to solve problems or create products that are valued within a cultural settings. There are as many ways to solve problems as there are problems. And as such, intelligence manifests in many forms and in many ways. Helping children, helping students, helping yourself to become effective problem solvers means finding and helping them to develop their preferred ways of thinking and knowing. So let's look at self-actualization activities. These types of activities should not replace a curriculum already in place. Like a small glove inside a larger one, these activities can augment and enhance those things the teacher is already doing. Self-actualization activities could involve creative dramatics, poetry, creative writing, art, music, dance, moral reasoning, problem solving, community service, books, literatures, or simply silence. Yes, among or across the curriculum in social studies, science, absolutely. That's why we need creative and intelligence teachers to be able to integrate these things. And we have to empower teachers as well. So they're able to be creative intelligence. Now, I'm not going to describe specific activities in this podcast. That would take hours and hours. But self-actualization activities should have some or all of the following eight characteristics. First, they're open-ended. Students are not expected to come to a predetermined conclusion all the time or create a standardized product. Like life, there is often no set answer. Students should have experiences where they're allowed and even encouraged to come to their own conclusion. And in creating or responding, they are allowed to take an idea as far as they want to or as not far as they want to, to respond as minimally as possible. For example, you wouldn't find a teacher saying to a student, oh, your writing assignment is very short. Why don't you go back and add some more description? Instead, that teacher would find something that the student wants to say and help that student say it. Second characteristic, they're meaningful. Assignments and activities are not created just to keep students busy or to have them demonstrate their knowing or to get a nice dispersion of scores. Instead, self-actualization activities are designed to increase understanding or to move students forward. Students are able to connect with the activity on a very personal level. Homework is not used as a measuring device, but as a practice of things that have already been learned in class. Three, 
They connect with students' lives. Activities and assignments try to make connections with students' inner or outer lives. For example, after reading a story, students might be asked to describe similar feelings or events or characters or situations from their own lives. In a science lesson, students might be directed to see how a concept touches their lives or to take an imaginary trip someplace and describe what they see, what they hear, what they feel. Four, they promote a greater understanding of the self. One of the goals of self-actualization activities is to examine those parts of ourselves that have been ignored. This is done so that you begin to recognize why you think and feel as you do. In this way, you can eventually free yourself from unconscious forces. Number five, they promote a greater understanding of others. When students are able to look beyond surface differences, they're able to see the great commonality in the human experience, one that transcends time, geography, race, ethnicity, social status, economic status, religions, gender, ability, sexual orientation. This deeper connection helps them to connect with others in a more meaningful way. Number six, they allow students to share their ideas with others. Here students Thinking, creating, and doing is not just for the teacher, but for a variety of audiences. Dramas are created and performed in other classrooms. Writing projects are shared and turned into class books. Students are asked to respond to the ideas of other students. Cooperative learning, students talking with each other. Students are encouraged to turn to a neighbor and get help or to share an idea. Imagine that. Seven, they recognize multiple ways to demonstrate knowing. In traditional curriculums, knowledge is demonstrated by taking a test or writing a report. Self-actualization activities invite people to express their knowledge and understanding in a variety of ways. Not all the time, but some of the time. For example, students might create dramas demonstrating important concepts, or use art, photography, give a speech, use a dance, create movement, use music, dress up as a character, recreate important events, create a video. Imagine, if you would, a science class where important concepts are represented using sculpture or visual art or set to music or presented to other students in a PowerPoint presentation. Again, I don't recommend doing these things all the time, but why not once in a while? Multiple modes of teaching and learning develop more of those neural networks. It enhances your ability to learn if you invite more modalities. So let's invite multiple ways for students to demonstrate their knowing. And number eight, they recognize and attend to the spiritual element in each child. Now, don't freak out here. Spirituality can be described as something completely apart from organized religion. <coughs> it can be viewed two ways. First, 
It can be seen in a purely secular sense as an accumulation of one's ideals, one's values, one's aspirations. It's that higher part of self, superego, or what I call superconsciousness, that's accessed through one's intuitive sense. Or, spirituality can be seen in the sacred sense, as the part of oneself connected to something beyond self, which is of numinous origin. Regardless of the view, one's spirituality opens up that person. It opens up you to experiences beyond the experience. So, I'm going to end with this, the importance of self-actualization activities. They're designed to lead to a better understanding of yourself, which in turn makes it less likely that your conscious mind will be ruled by unconscious forces. Yes, by bringing unconscious images, wants, and feelings to consciousness, you're then free to act upon them. But neglecting the inner subjective world of the psyche increases the likelihood that you or your students will experience meaninglessness, psychic fragmentation, or some affect disorder. Educating the whole person means restoring balance between inner and outer lives, what John Miller calls soulful learning. So why should we care about self-actualization? The Gospel of St. Matthew says, What shall it profit a person if that person should gain the whole world but lose his or her soul? Which to say? What is the use of having high test scores if our children do not know who they are, what their passions are, where their strengths lie, or how to obtain happiness and strength? This is the Reading Instruction Show. I'm Dr. Andy Johnson.